I know most of us here have driven a car at some point in our lives. And so for all those drivers out there, I would ask, how many of you have had that sickening feeling in your stomach that you get when you realize that you have overcorrected on the steering? Right? I know I've had it. It's uh, not a good feeling. Right? Maybe you slipped on a little bit of ice or you know, a patch of gravel, and, and you jerk the wheel a little too hard, and you begin to realize you could be in some real trouble here. Maybe some things start coming out of your mouth. Maybe they're good. Maybe they're not good. But it's a bad feeling when we overcorrect. Overcorrection is not restricted to just driving, though. We have a tendency to overcorrect in our lives because we are frequently asked to balance Competing things, competing values, competing forces. Things like work and family. Things like money and fun. Things like vegetables and dessert. Exercise and carbs, right? The list goes on and on of the things. And, and the way we tend to balance, at least in America, is to lurch from one extreme to the other and then back and then back and then back, never really settling on a smooth path, instead oversteering constantly from one extreme to the other. Sometimes we recognize what we've done and we're able to pull out before things get really bad. Other times we don't really notice until we've already pretty much run off the road. Well, overcorrection can also happen in our spiritual lives. I've certainly seen it before as Christians, as faithful Christians who want to do and say everything we know we're supposed to do, we will often chase after whatever really uh, important virtue or practice was highlighted in the last good sermon or, or video lesson or podcast or conference that we happen to have heard. Two weeks ago, I started this series that we're on now, the series where we're sort of looking in on Jesus' road trip to Jerusalem as he went towards his appointment with the cross. And, and I started out by, by teaching on the key point of the passage that we know uh, as the Good Samaritan. And that point was, of course, go and do likewise. This truth is a very important one, this truth that that like the Good Samaritan, we're supposed to be out there loving our neighbors intentionally, sacrificially, practically, and without discrimination, is biblical, it is correct, it is the clear command of Christ. Unfortunately, centuries of Christian history tell us that upon hearing this command as believers, we might overcorrect. We might get so focused on go and do and become all about go and do that we start to go and do for the wrong reasons. We start to go and do in the wrong ways. And, and in the end, we begin to neglect our ongoing relationship with Jesus. So it is no accident that immediately after the command to go and do likewise, Luke tells us a story that makes it clear there is more than one dimension that is crucial to living and following Christ. 
That even as we busily go and do, because this is a command of Christ, there is something we must hold on to to avoid oversteer, to avoid overcorrecting and and running off the road into a very works-oriented lifestyle that burns us out. This lesson is found in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one Thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The fact that Mary is commended for choosing the good portion, defined here as sitting and learning at the feet of Jesus, would seem to stand in natural tension with that immediately preceding command to go and do. She doesn't appear to be going and doing anything. Martha's the one who's doing something. We need to understand that these two stories do not conflict. Rather, they come together, they combine to help us understand that both of these things, learning attentively at the feet of Jesus and doing the work of the Lord to love our neighbors, they are both critically important to faithfully following Jesus. And that because of that, because these are two big tasks, two lifelong tasks, We have to be careful to focus on what matters to make sure we do both of them without just oversteering and running off the road one way and then running off the road the other way. Now, today's story, both Martha and Mary help us understand what is truly important, the things that we need to know so that we can do what matters. We'll begin with Martha who did good things, which were distractions. There's a lot to celebrate about Martha, right? She gets a terrible rap in sermons all around the country, probably dozens, hundreds of churches today preaching about Mary and Martha. Martha gets a bum rap, in my opinion. She is a terrific hostess. As the passage begins, she has opened her home to Jesus. She has invited him in and has made him welcome and and comfortable. And we should realize it's probably not just Jesus coming to visit, right? He always travels with a group. She has invited in and welcomed his disciples, and probably far more than the 12, you know, who get the headliner, because his group of disciples was much larger than the 12 apostles. And in welcoming them all in, Martha has done a very good thing. Now, as the hostess, Martha has a number of obligations. The the rules and customs of ancient Near Eastern hospitality gave her a lot of work to do. And so she had to make sure that food was being prepared, that guests were were, were comfortable. We don't know from the story how long they were staying. Did they just pop in for lunch? Were they staying the afternoon? Did they spend the night? We don't know. And she is very diligent about fulfilling all of these obligations. Her her commitment to make the Lord welcome 
in her home and comfortable is clearly a good thing. But her mistake was that she focused too much on her responsibilities as the hostess. She focused too much on these good things, and she missed the best thing. Verse 40 reports that Martha was distracted with much serving. Her many activities and responsibilities had, had kept her from focusing on the Lord, who is right there in her you know, living room, essentially. And this situation was clearly very frustrating for Martha, right? She's, she's going up the wall because her sister Mary, who's an able-bodied person, and, and custom says Mary should have been up helping her, is not. Instead, verse 39 says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, this language here in verse 39 is particular. It has a specific meaning. It doesn't just mean she's, she's resting her feet while Jesus talks and Martha works. When it says that she sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, this is the language that describes a disciple. Mary is acting as a disciple, just like any of the other disciples of Jesus. The master's feet was the place where the, where the students, where the disciples would gather to sit and learn. This is what Mary's doing. Martha is none too pleased about Mary's newfound discipleship. She doesn't appreciate her sister's breach of hospitality, and so she asks Jesus to intervene. And Jesus' words to Martha should resonate with many of us in these incredibly busy and overscheduled and stressed out times, in this sort of great ball of activity and stress we call Northern Virginia. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Martha's focus on her responsibilities had left her exhausted, stressed out, and resentful. Does that sound like anything we can identify with? They keep her from the one thing that truly matters, the presence and teaching of the nourishing, life-giving Son of God who is present in her house. Now, as Christians, it's easy to be like Martha. We get so focused on the good things we're supposed to be doing that we get distracted from the best thing. We get distracted from Jesus. And some of those distractions are just the things of life, the, the enjoyable things of life and the necessary things of life, things like work and, and chores, home maintenance, mowing the lawn, uh, family, bills, youth sports, Sicknesses in the household, hobbies, vacation, all kinds of things can distract us. But sometimes our distractions are actually the busyness of our church lives. All too often we can wake up and realize that we have substituted committee meetings and lessons that we have to prepare and, and visions that we need to articulate all of which are really good, all of which are really important, all of which need to get done for a church, but that we have substituted them for our relationship and connection with Jesus Christ. That in seeking to serve him faithfully, we have oversteered. We have neglected our relationship with him. 
So even as we go and do likewise, we have to be like Mary. We have to be intentional about holding on to the person and presence of Jesus Christ, or else we will burn out on our Christian service. We will be turned off by the experience of the church. So let's take a look at Mary. While Martha did a lot of good things, Mary did the best thing, focusing on Jesus. During his visit, Mary was 100% focused on Jesus, even though it clearly drove her sister nuts. Mary was in the posture and position of a disciple. She is at the master's feet. She is listening attentively to him, learning from him. And Jesus praises this in verse 42. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Out of all of the good and important things that there were to be done that day, Jesus says Mary chose the one that was the very best. His language here, this phrase, the good portion, if you spend time in the ever scintillating book of Leviticus, you'll see the good portion is quite frequently used to describe sort of the best part of an animal that's being sacrificed. It's the part that belongs to God. Right? This is consistent language throughout the Bible, this idea of the good portion. It means the best portion. In our day and age, we might call that the filet mignon, if you like steak. So she has chosen the very best. She has chosen the filet mignon, if you will. And her wise choice echoes that of David in Psalm 16.5. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we must also choose the good portion, the very best thing. We need to focus on Jesus the way Mary did. So even as we are called to fulfill this command of Christ to build up God's kingdom, to, to go and do likewise, we need to regularly sit at his feet and learn the way Mary did. Regardless of our responsibilities, we have to regularly worship him. We need this. And that worship, that's an activity, right? It's not an experience. Uh, grammatically, worship is not a noun. It's a verb. We don't, it's not something we gather on Sunday morning to experience. Worship is something we can do individually or that we gather and we actively do. We throw ourselves into it. We fully engage and participate in the singing. Regardless of whether we can sing, I can't. That's why my mic is always down for the singing parts. Regardless of whether we love that particular song or not, we engage. And we engage with our mind and our body through the prayer and the preaching. Right? We're not there to sit back, but we are fully into it. That's how we worship, how part of gathering at the feet of Jesus. Like Mary, we need to regularly listen to the teachings of Jesus. That's not just the Sunday morning preaching, right? but that we are called every day to be in the Word of God. We have a luxury in America, which is that we probably have individually stacks of these things sitting in our house. They don't do as much good if they're just gathering dust. We are to be in the Word as often as possible, reading it on our own, but also gathering in groups to, to, to discuss it, to read it, to share it, to learn. We have to cultivate our prayer life, too. 
We need to be drawing ever closer to God through conversation, confession, petition, and praise. See, Jesus is the good portion. He is the best. His love and his spirit nourish us when we gather at his feet. Our regular time with him is what feeds and fuels our ministry work. This is the power of the church. When we just frenetically do ministry because we think we're supposed to, or out of some guilt, some sense of status, anything like that, it is going to inevitably grind us down and burn us out. We will find ourselves resenting the church. How could they ask me to do one more thing? We will be resenting our brothers and sisters in Christ. Why aren't they doing this? We may even start resenting God. How could he have set up this arrangement? This is too much. But when we gather often at the feet of Jesus, and he teaches us, and he refreshes us, and he loves us, then we will find that we overflow with the desire to share his good news, to build his kingdom And we are able to faithfully minister year after year for our entire lives, as so many of you here have amply demonstrated. So if you're very active in ministry at this church, or any church, and you feel stressed out, you feel overwhelmed or burned out, I want you to take time this week to use some of your quiet time, or or use some of that great quiet time where you turn off the radio and you're stuck in traffic. Right? It's a great time to pray. You'll have a much better commute if you spend it with God rather than if you spend it looking at those people who cut you off. Take that time and assess how often you are genuinely gathering at the feet of Jesus just to learn and be refreshed by Him. How often do you do activities, ministries, things that minister to you? and not just you ministering to others. This is a topic I feel passionately about because I think it is critical to sustaining lifelong ministry. I think if you look at pastors who fall, this is quite often part of their downfall. Everyone who works hard for the Lord needs to sustain themselves by making time to enjoy the Lord. We don't necessarily talk about enjoying the Lord that much in church, but we are called to enjoy His presence, to delight in Him. This is why I appreciate those who let me be just another guy in their Sunday school class, in the men's Bible study. That's two ways that I go and gather at the feet of Jesus and just enjoy learning from him. Enjoy his word, get refreshed by him. So I love the ministries that Dallas Hill does, that Jesse Mesa does, because they're a great way to get refreshed so that I, in turn, can do what I'm called to do. This is a model we all need to be careful to to get involved with, because otherwise we will eventually grind ourselves down. When we are careful to take our time, to take time out of our days and out of our weeks, and we, and we gather and sit at the feet of Jesus, that refreshes us and empowers us to go and do. That fuels genuine devotion to ministry and to missions. It lets us undertake the kinds of projects and trips that Ruth talked about, that Susan shared about. It's what's going to let us live out the God-sized proposals in the the coming church vision. 
There are no accidents in Scripture. It's not a coincidence that Luke tells this story immediately after the go and do command. We can't be simplistic, one-dimensional Christians. We need to realize that healthy Christian life is not just from going and doing. It is not just from sitting and learning. It is from doing both. What we need to see from this passage combined with that other one is that while we must go and do, we must go and do what matters. And part of what matters is basking in the presence of Jesus. So when we do go and do, when we sign up for a mission trip to Indonesia or to Appomattox, when we teach Sunday school, when we help with Team Kid, when we help with the youth, when we go out in the community and visit newcomers like so many did yesterday, when we care for the homeless, it should not be out of some sense of religious duty. It should not just be one more thing on our Martha-esque busy to-do list. It should flow naturally from our love and devotion to Jesus, at whose feet we gather often. Jesus, who first loved us. Jesus, who gave his life so that we could have abundant life now and forevermore. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the testimony of your word. We thank you for the way you have shared with us these two aspects of Christian discipleship, the going and doing, and at the same time, the sitting and learning. Help us to not just oversteer one way or the other, but to recognize that true discipleship involves going and doing while we stay connected to your Son, while we sit and learn often. Lord, help us to be faithful disciples as we leave this place this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The call this morning is to focus on what matters, to do the important work of building God's kingdom here in Lake Ridge and to the ends of the earth, but to also regularly gather at the feet of Jesus to experience his love and learn from him. So take time this morning and and in the rest of the week to just evaluate your Christian walk. Are you doing both things regularly? If you find that you are burning out from doing too much, then build in more time to sit and learn. But if you find you are spending an awful lot of time at the feet of Jesus, but are seldom being the hands and feet of Jesus, well, then it's time to go and do. Now, if you're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, if he's not yet your Lord and Savior, this message might not make a ton of sense. And I want to invite you in that case just to come to the feet of Jesus, to to trust in him and believe in him and, and learn from him and experience his love. Find his forgiveness and eternal life through his sacrifice. Because he loves you. He welcomes you. He is always ready for you to come to him and embrace him and accept his love and sacrifice. Let's go ahead and sing.